Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor encourages us to be faithful stewards. The measurement that all of us have, it equals everyone in the room right now, is faithfulness. Are you faithful? It's required. It's a demand of God in your life to be faithful. Faithful with what you have. You're a new believer, like again right now, you, you, this is a half hour of Bible study, 15 minutes you've heard so far, that you're required to be faithful with it. God puts somebody on your heart, brings somebody to mind, you're required to be faithful with that person. He inspires a scripture in your life, you're just reading your devotions and the Lord says, this would be good for your son. Well, you're required to go tell your son what the Bible says. This is amazing grace. How do you measure success in your life? Perhaps you say by how much you currently have in the bank or your achievements at work. God looks at it much differently, as we'll see today on Abounding Grace. Success in His eyes is very much connected to our level of faithfulness. Let's learn all about that now as we join Pastor Ed Taylor in 1 Corinthians 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 is all that we covered last time. He begins the chapter, let a man so consider us as servants. You might want to mark that because we spent our whole time last week looking at how this word refers to the under rower and looking at various areas of ministry and servanthood as the under rower. So servants and of servants of Christ and stewards. And that's another key word of the mysteries of God. And Paul is laying before them these difficult changes Things are going crazy in the church in Corinth and Paul gets wind of it and he begins to write this letter of heavy correction. It's hard to read through the letter and and not just pause and go, man, this is heavy. This is tough. And and so in this chapter, he pauses because it's going to get even tell you those of you that read ahead, you know, chapter five, he's going to deal with the issue. Uh, the big issue that had infiltrated the Corinthian church, and that was the sexual immorality. So before he gets to chapter five, though, in chapter four, he pauses and and he says, just just so we know, just so we're on the same page any consideration of me, just consider me and consider us as leaders, servants, that lowest galley slave, the under rower, and stewards. And really what he's doing is not only reserving those titles for leaders, and they're very important for leaders. Leaders, you know, we don't want to somehow think we're above the people or beyond the people. And you know, by the way, Romanism really messed the church up by dividing the clergy from the laity and thinking that there was a class of people within the church they're the only ones that can understand the bible the only ones for a long season that could have a bible and that's been with us even before romanism which we know now is the roman catholic church i mean still to this day there'll be a distinction between well the priests and the people but you know what the bible says the bible says that we're all priests We believe in the priesthood of all believers. That's what it says in Hebrews chapter 4. Or excuse me, in 1 Peter chapter 2. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it says that we're a royal priesthood. And we're all part of the priesthood. It's not just reserved for a certain select people. And you could look throughout the scriptures, but right here in verse 1, 
We're just stewards. The, the leadership of the church should be the chief servants. Not just dabbling in servanthood or I'll do something now and then, but the more you rise, God raises you up in leadership, really what that means is it's the more responsibility you now have, the more accountability you have. And this is reserved for all of us, not just leaders. We're all stewards to some degree of the mysteries of God. Whatever you know, uh, let's just say you sat through one Bible study. Let's just say this is the very first Bible study you've ever sat in, and it's been going on for a few minutes now. You're a steward of what you learned. You're responsible for it. Uh, You can allow it to soak in and learn it. You could share it with someone else. You could jot a little note down. But think about all the Bible you've read, all the Bible studies you've heard, all the notes that you've taken. You're responsible. You're responsible for what you know. That there is a responsibility and accountability. It's not just for the leaders, although Paul just wants to make sure that we understand. I'm not speaking above you, church. I know that my words are heavy and I know they might be hard to receive. But Paul just says, if you're going to consider, just consider us servants. I'm here to serve you. I know what you're hearing isn't easy to receive, but I'm here to serve you and I'm a steward. So it's for all of us. It's not just the priests or those in some kind of level of leadership. It's the priesthood of all believers. We're a royal priesthood. All of us have access to God. And that's Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, where it says, Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Today, right now, you have access to God. All of you, believer and unbeliever alike. For believers, you have a special access because now you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But you know, as an unbeliever, as you might consider yourself right now an unbeliever, you have access to God, and that is to call upon his name and ask for the forgiveness of your sins. And you know, even though you don't have a relationship, even though you've never surrendered to him, do you know God still loves you and will still bless you and still just pour his love on you? That's how much he loves you. Like you say, well, you know, um, because you don't have a relationship with me, I won't bless you anymore. No, the Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. If it snows or rains tonight, like they say, well, it's not going to rain. If it snows, it's going to snow on the unbeliever's house and the believer's house. You know, the unbelievers are going to go skiing and so are the believers. They're going to both benefit from the snow. There's going to be two people in the neighborhood. You're going to be shoveling. Believers are going to have to shovel. And, well, at least maybe your kids will have to shovel. And the unbeliever, it's it, God's grace pours out. But I'll tell you, if you don't, if you haven't, if, if you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you're in a mess of trouble. Don't confuse, well, you know, it snows on my house too. Yeah, because God's gracious. Not because he's letting you get away with anything. Not because he approves of your sin or your sinful lifestyle. And not because he didn't send Jesus to die for your neighbor and not for you. Jesus was sent to die for you too. The Bible says if you call upon his name, you shall be saved. If you repent and you turn your life away from sin, change will take place by the blood of Jesus Christ. But the Bible says, Paul does, he says, he asked the question when he's writing to the Romans. He says, don't you know that it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance the problem is is there's this expectation that god's just going to be good god's just going to be good god like there's no judgment from a good god but there is it's good for god to judge evil i mean what would a world be when evil's not judged i mean what would that world be like it's like everything just everybody got away with everything and 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 everyone just could do whatever they wanted whenever they wanted with no moral accountability that that doesn't reflect the character and nature of god 
And so here Paul, he's just saying, look, we're stewards. We're responsible for what we know. There is no separation between leaders and those that aren't leaders, priests and, and the laity. You know, by the way, it didn't start with Romanism. It started way back in the first century. It was the doctrine known as the Nicolaitans. And to two churches, Jesus mentioned this doctrine of the separation, this lording over. And that's really what separation does. It's used to lord over people. It's used to control people. It's used by religion, by man, to get their way with very genuine, sincere people. But God doesn't, he doesn't manipulate. He doesn't force or coerce. He gently draws out of love. And you make up your own mind. He's not going to twist your arm to believe. You're going to make up your own mind whether to believe in him or turn your back on him. It's your choice. You go, well, you know what? I don't really have anything against God. I mean, I'm cool with him. And and so I'm really not deciding against God. I'm just waiting. I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of in this place. Okay, understand this. A no decision is a decision. It's like, well, I'll just wait. Okay, God will honor that decision. Says, you want to wait, you wait. But understand that the time is short. And while you're waiting, while you're waiting, you're actually making a no decision. You're rejecting the gospel. You're rejecting what you know. You're not embracing by faith God who's revealed himself to you. You're rejecting. And so we're stewards of what we know. Everything that we've ever learned, we're stewards. You go, man, Ed, I can't even remember everything I've ever learned. As believers, you have the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised that he would send the Spirit and he would bring to your remembrance the things that you've learned. Isn't that amazing? Like, you don't have to have the best memory because the Spirit of God can bring things to your... Like, somebody shows up at work and you're just, man, they got this heaviness and you you don't really know what to say, but all of a sudden, you do know what to say. Where did that come from? The Spirit of God. He prepared you. You're ready. There's a deep reservoir in your heart of the Word of God that the Holy Spirit can come and draw from. It's one of the advantages of reading the Bible every day. And there's a lot of great things about reading the Bible every day, but one of them is that you're depositing in the spiritual reservoir all these scriptures and all these truths for the Holy Spirit. You might even be reading a scripture, it just doesn't, you don't even, it just doesn't make sense to you. But then later in the day, a situation comes up, and you, you know, I don't know why, but I just, I believe God wants me to share this scripture with you, and that's exactly what the person's been waiting to hear from the Lord. And so you don't have to, and I don't have to, have this undue pressure on me to, to always have to have the right answer. And often the answer for me, you'll, you'll know if you've talked to me long enough, I, I really don't know, man. Let's just pray. I don't know. I'm not sure. And let's just seek the Lord and see if he gives us wisdom and understanding and let's see if he enlightens the scriptures. And, and you don't have to take on this undue pressure of having to know everything because you don't know everything. But the spirit of God that lives in you, believer, knows everything you'll ever need to know and will bring it to remembrance. And on top of that, the Bible says, Jesus does about the Spirit, that he'll lead you into all truth. There in John 14, 15, 16, in that area. So that's where Paul is, and we covered that in depth last time. Verse 2, moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. This should be a huge relief to you and to me, you servants of the Lord. This should be a major relief, just this simple truth. It can be life-changing if you let it. If you receive it, and I love this, it says it's required in stewards, that's all of us, that we be found successful, right? No, no, that's not what it says. That we get everything right all the time. No, that doesn't want, that's not what it says. 
All we're required is faithful. That's what's required from us. I mean, what do you, what do you think you'd feel like if, if it said in verse 2, it's required in stewards to be successful? Well, man, I mean, it depends on what definition of successful you're, you're using. I mean, it depends on how, what attitude and what opinion. How would we ever be able to measure up? Because successful with this person over here, he's got different giftings. He's, he's in a different part of town. He, he's doing different things. She's got a different calling in her life. And, and he doesn't say compare. He doesn't say, hey, it's required in your life to make sure you measure up the way your mom wanted you to live or, or how your boss is laying down on you or some church standard. What's required is what you and I can deliver. Faithfulness. It's just required to be faithful. And not worry about the results. Not be concerned how things turn out. The measurement that all of us have, it equals everyone in the room right now, is faithfulness. Are you faithful? It's required. That word, you can circle it. It literally means demand. It's a demand of God in your life to be faithful. Faithful with what you have. You're a new believer. Like, again, right now, you, you, this is a half-hour Bible study, 15 minutes you've heard so far, that you're required to be faithful with it. God puts somebody on your heart, brings somebody to mind, you're required to be faithful with that person. He inspires a scripture in your life. You're just reading your devotions, and the Lord says, this would be good for your son. Well, you're required to go tell your son what the Bible says. There's a scripture that comes in, and, and it's all about sin, and you get all flipped out about it, and the Lord says, that's you. You're required to be faithful with that and repent of what God just revealed in your life. God raises somebody up in your life and, and you're like, yeah, I can't believe. And, so, and, and the Lord says, well, now go forgive them. Be faithful. And I love that about the Lord. As we Truly, I think if you look at success and, and you think of that in words, I can say this. Truly, we're successful when we're faithful. That's where true success is, faithfulness. When you're faithful, when I'm faithful, because you can be successful and not be faithful. Because you can use carnal means to be successful. You can do whatever you want. And at the end result, it, it's sort of the society that we've grown up in, right? You and I have been taught from a very young age that the end always justifies the means. And it's kind of come into the church. Just use whatever way you want, as long as you're successful. No, be faithful. Not every means is the right way to go. Like you could use carnal means to fill a church. Fill a building with people. But is that really the Lord's heart? No, he'd rather have you be faithful. He'd rather see faithfulness flow from our lives. And you and I can hit that mark. We can be faithful with what God's given us. What he's revealed to us. You know, you study the Old Testament... And you look at the different characters that we're introduced to, real people like you and me that serve the Lord, you'll meet one of the most successful prophets in all the Bible. And as I describe his exploits, you might even think, man, I've never really associated that guy, his name, with success. But he was probably more successful than any other prophet in all the Old Testament. Not only did the crew of the, the entire crew of the boat he was on get saved, but when he finds, finally gets to the point where he preaches the gospel to the city that God sent him to, he was totally, totally successful. The whole city repented. You know his name, right? Jonah. <laughs> successful Jonah. Just running away from God. God had to stop him and tell him, this is what you're supposed to do. 
he was successful. But if you take Jonah's life and you contrast him with a guy who served his heart out and never experienced one convert, not one. You look at Jonah, successful. You look at this brother, man, he wasn't successful. And he did some crazy things too to get people's attention. He was obedient to the Lord. He did exactly what he was told to do. As a matter of fact, God's calling was even before he was in the womb, he was known, he told us. And so when Jesus comes on the scene, his ministry was so powerful. There was something about Jeremiah's life that was so powerful, even though there wasn't one convert from him, that by the time Jesus comes on the scene, nobody thought Jesus was Jonah. They thought he was Jeremiah. They called him, remember, the prophet. As all the, maybe it's John the Baptist, it's the prophet. They didn't mistake him for Jonah, they mistaked him for Jeremiah. You know why? Because Jeremiah was faithful. God doesn't measure success the way you and I measure success. God measures success on the level of our faithfulness. And that's why when it it seems from the outside, it seems from other people's perspective that you and I might be unsuccessful, at the very same time, the Lord can examine our hearts and our lives and put the stamp of approval on our lives. Why? Because we've been faithful. And it's really a word for us as God opens doors for us of ministry and opportunity, what God's searching through the room right now, and for those that will catch this service later, online or on the radio, what God's really looking for us is faithfulness. And you know what, guys? You can deliver that. In the power of God's Spirit, you can deliver faithfulness. It's demanded from you. Jesus talks about those that were unfaithful, and they're not rewarded. They, they weren't faithful with the, the little talents they were given. And what did he say? Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. In another translation, you evil workers. It's, it's evil to be unfaithful. And don't misunderstand. It's not like faithful to a church or faithful to a pastor. It's faithful to the Lord. Like, like you could be here and do all kinds of FaceTime things for people, but in your heart, you're still not faithful to the Lord. And he knows. And he wants to draw out from the wells of faithfulness in your life. Even as we saw last time, as the message all goes together, the, the, the element of faithfulness and stewardship and servanthood and that under rower is that even when we have no attention, no appreciation, no nothing, you're serving under the Lord, that when you do your charitable deed in secret, your Father in heaven, Jesus said in Matthew, will reward you openly. Because you can get all messed up when you start to serve man, you start to please man, when you fear man, and when everything's about man, you can get really messed up and you can become very unfaithful. Because then your motive is to please man instead of pleasing the Lord. And when your motive is to please man, the Bible says the fear of man is a snare and it's a trap. And if you guys have tried that before to please man, haven't you found out? Just take two people in your life that you've tried to please and it's really hard to please them. But you can always please the Lord. How? By faithfulness. Just being faithful. Verse 3, he says, But with me, back to himself, Paul now, he says, It's a very small thing that I should be judged by you. Because they were all, of course they were upset. You know, they were like, Who is this guy? He says, Or by a human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. Now, that human court's interesting because he's going to get into that later on in Corinthians because they were all messed up taking each other to court and suing one another and not solving things within the congregation. So he just kind of drops a little seed because he's going to talk about it in chapter 6. But he says, 
I'm not judged by you or a human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. And that's an interesting thought we'll get to in a second. He says, I don't even judge myself. You might want to mark that because it's going to be a releasing phrase for you as you learn how to live this out. He says, for I know nothing against myself, yet I'm not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. So Paul puts it out there that he's not too concerned with their judgment of him. He's not too concerned with what they think. He's not too concerned with their response. He's not too concerned on how they receive or don't receive what he has to say. He's not too concerned about that. In fact, he takes it even one step further and he says, I don't even judge myself. As people would judge and criticize Paul, he approached it with maturity and confidence that he had in the Lord. Paul didn't consider their evaluation all that important. You know, when he started to put in the balances, their criticism and their, their evaluation and how he lived in commitment and surrender to the Lord, he always put the Lord first. And his motto, you know, is this key is, I'm just leaving it all to God and God's going to judge and God's going to sort it all out. Pastor Ed Taylor drawing attention to a nasty habit present in many of our lives, and that's criticism. You're listening to Abounding Grace. And Pastor Ed, rather than criticizing others, what's a better course of action for us to take? You know, criticism is a real bad habit to pick apart different aspects of people's lives and seemingly always finding fault uh, in our in the body of Christ today, I mean, in our culture today at large, but I think it's not, sometimes we as pastors say it's entered in or it's seeped in to the church. This nastiness of criticism and tearing a person down has invaded the church and invaded believers' lives, where now with the advent of, you know, social media, it's like social media has trained people to say, well, everybody wants to hear your opinion in reality, it's trained men and women to be hypercritical and have an opinion about everything. And it's, it's, un, it's sad. It's unfortunate. And I, I'm just sorry to see it so much. I think an alternative is to be encouraging and to walk like Barnabas, to be known as Barnabas and to be a son of encouragement, to be a daughter of encouragement, that we might build one another up. Um, the Bible speaks of edification, and edification is a building one another up, and how important it is for us to to strengthen one another in the Lord, to speak forth God's word. To you know, there's even this phrase of constructed criticism, and and I'm not even really a big fan of that because constructive criticism is still criticism. It's better to be constructive edification that we might constructively build one another up and help us grow, iron sharpening iron. And so what's an alternative? Repent of being such a critic, and repent of elevating your view above everyone else's. Repent of looking down on people. Repent of not walking in love, and repent of becoming so defensive uh, when you hear something like this that I'm sharing with you, because you know the idea of defensiveness really reminds us that there's a truth that's being said, and we don't need to be defensive. We, what we need to be is surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ, that he might use us in incredible ways. And that, like he said in John chapter 13, we would be known for our love for one another. And thank you for sharing that, Pastor Ed. If you joined us late or would just like to hear this message again, turn to calvaryco.church. Or you can listen through our apps, too. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play.
If you take a brief moment to write or call, that would make our day. Let us know the station you're listening to and if today's study was a blessing to your life. We'd also love to pray for you. You can email us through the website at calvaryaurora.org. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of A.W. Tozer's book, The Pursuit of God. While many believers have settled for mediocrity or are living much like the world, that doesn't have to be your life story. You can experience a close and intimate relationship with God. Allow Tozer to point the way as you read The Pursuit of God. We appreciate the generosity of our listeners. It helps us provide the teaching of God's Word on stations all across the nation. We're constantly hearing from listeners that have been helped and are growing by God's abounding grace. Thank you for standing with us. Call 877-30-GRACE or visit calvaryco.church. And then be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from the Word of God. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You laid down your life That I would be set Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.